On episode 253 of the Tennis Files podcast, you'll learn why tennis is not a mental game with special guest Ramon Osa. Introducing Coco Golf's signature shoe, more than just a tennis shoe. It's a fusion of 90s-inspired style and cutting-edge performance technology with its sleek mid-cut silhouette. It's designed to enhance speed and power on the court. The multi-piece upper construction delivers high-energy return for players of all levels. Whether you're a seasoned pro or just starting out, the Coco CG1 empowers you to dominate the game. Learn more and purchase the Coco CG1 at NewBalance.com. Welcome to the Tennis Files Podcast, bringing you advice from the top minds in tennis to help you improve your game. And now, here's your host, Mehrban Iranshad. Hey there, and welcome to another episode of the show. This is Mirban, and it's always a pleasure to have you listening. And if you're listening for the first time, welcome. Uh, I am back from Orlando. I had a really nice time there. Played a ton of tennis at the USA National Tennis Center. Played in some really fun four or five plus adult clinics and took a lesson down there as well. And filmed some really good content, in my opinion, my biased opinion, of course, with Coach Greg Lasore from Online Tennis Instruction and Coach Dave Bailey from Bailey Footwork Method, as well as, yeah, just again, having a great old time in Orlando. It was pretty hot, but. I still managed to enjoy it and saw some people from uh, from Maryland randomly from my home state. So really cool stuff. But today we're here to talk about why tennis is not a mental game. And obviously mindset and the mental game is huge in tennis. But Ramon has a very unique approach as part of the winning formula with Mark Jeffrey on the mental game. So really excited for you to hear about it. And he's going to cover topics such as what pressure is and how to deal with it, how to train yourself to perform your best under pressure, how to access the flow state, how to use the 80% of time you're not playing the point to your advantage, which you might be surprised it's that long. Uh, The ideal routine to follow in between points, which is super valuable and how to stay in flow during the point and much more. And I actually had Ramon uh, give this talk as part of a previous presentation to my audience, um, but I'm really glad and happy to include it in today's podcast episode just because I think it's so, again, valuable for you to hear. So really do appreciate Ramon's time in educating us about how we can improve our mindset and the different steps that we need to take. So excited for you to hear this one. And so without further ado, here is Ramon's presentation on why tennis is not a mental game. Now, before you call those nice people that come by with those nice white jackets in the padded rooms, let me explain myself. So when you are on the practice court, okay, you're hitting with a friend and you're feeling particularly amazing. You know, the strokes are flowing, everything's great. Are you thinking? Probably not. Now, if you're in a very one-sided match, one way or the other, you're in a match you're easily winning or you're easily losing, how much are you really thinking then? Not so much. Now, if you're in a tight match where the outcome is really uncertain and you've got 30, 40 seconds served to stay in the match, chances are this is when the mental activity starts to really ramp up. You start having those conversations in your head. Why didn't I hit that ball down the line? What was, where's my elbow supposed to be? And all of those crazy 
neurotic thoughts that go on in tight matches. Well, in this training, what we're going to go through is the three-step clutch gene sequencing. And this is all based on how the elite military train ordinary human beings like you and me to become extraordinary when it's life and death, when there's no second chances, when everybody in the troop is depending on you to keep everybody else alive. So that's what we're going to do today. So the first step to clutch gene sequencing is creating a new relationship with pressure. So if I asked you now, what is your relationship with pressure like? Do you play your best under pressure? Do you get nervous? Do you hold back? Do you stop going for your shots? Do you get tight? Or do you let it rip, let it be free and play your best? Well, here's the really good news. Pressure is really just a biological phenomena. Okay, when we feel pressure, it's a primitive signal to our central nervous system to run, fight, or hide. And what that means is, at a biological level, we're getting everything that we need to actually perform at our best. Our eyesight improves. Our pattern recognition is superb. All the blood goes to our extremities to get our body ready for action. We get this neurochemical dump of adrenaline and cortisol and all of these amazing hormones that help us actually get our body ready to fight. So the real question is, what is your relationship with pressure? Because if you trained yourself to now know that you perform your best under pressure, and we're going to get to that in a second in steps two and three, then all of a sudden pressure wouldn't be this bad thing. It wouldn't be the elephant in the room. In fact, you would be able to reliably get into a flow state where you play your best, where the ball's as big as a balloon, where you seem like you have all day to hit the ball. In fact, uh, Mark Jeffrey, who created the winning formula and the trust method, which we'll talk about a little bit later, was interviewing Dr. Stephen Kotler. And Dr. Stephen Kotler is probably the greatest living um, proponent of flow that we have now. And when he was talking to Mark, he said, Mark, you're so lucky because in tennis, big points, tiebreakers, deciding moments are one of the most powerful ways to get into flow. Okay, so you look at extreme sports athletes, you look at uh, guys who climb up these massive peaks without ropes, uh, guys who are flying over uh, giant chasms in their motorcycles, and all of these extreme sports, they have easy access into flow. So by embracing pressure and by changing our relationship with pressure, we can actually begin to access the flow state much more easily. I was preparing for the Canadian nationals and I'd always done, I'd always done pretty well, but I was so nervous when I went to play the matches. And as soon as I started to change my story and um, my thoughts, then my game changed. It kind of unlocked something. And I think I won, I won the nationals like in the final 11 to that year. All right. The only bad news is this isn't kind of like the secret where you sit in a room and you think, oh, I'm great at pressure. And then all of a sudden it just comes to be, no, we got to train into it. And we're going to get into steps two and three, how to actually do that right now. Okay. Clutch gene sequencing part two. Now this is all about winning the battle before the point starts. So in a given match on average, 
the point is happening 20% of the time, 20% of the match, the ball is in play. And that, and I'm no math whiz, but 80% of the time then leaves us in between points, in between games, in between sets. Now, the good news is this is your time and nobody can stop you from winning the 80% except you. But if I asked you right now, what is your between the point ritual? What does it look like? And if you think back to the last time you had a tight match and maybe things didn't go your way on a point or your opponent made a bad call, um, you know, the wind was howling or whatever it was, what was going through your mind? What kind of thoughts were you having? What kind of emotions were you experiencing? And what we would argue is unless you have a between the point process that predictably gets you into flow, and we have a process to do that, I'm going to share with you in just a second, then you're kind of at the whim of whatever happens in the match. And this is the difference between the best players in the world and the players that never scratch the top 100. Okay, everybody can hit great shots. I think it was Djokovic said, everybody's got great forehands and backhands. It's really what you do with your time when the ball's not in play that sets you up to play your best when the ball is in play. So here is our process. And if you try this out next time you go and play and you begin to practice this and rehearse this, what you're going to find is your ability to stay calm, assassin-like, absolutely focused on the moment in the present moment is going to explode. So first thing you do, ball breaks down, points over. What we're going to do is go look at our strings. When the eyes focus on a singular point, the mind gets still. Everything is, is awesome. Next thing we're going to do is we're going to control our breath. Okay. doesn't matter how long the last point was. We're going to take one dynamic breath of an inhale of three seconds. We can do this together right now. So just go ahead and inhale for three seconds. Hold it for three seconds. And then exhale for six seconds. If you did that with me right now, what did you notice? For me, my shoulders relaxed, my brain got calm, and I just have this general sense of well-being. So we've stilled our eyes, we've stilled our mind, we've gotten oxygen into the blood and into the brain with our one dynamic breath. And now what we've got is an empty vessel in our brain that we can now use to visualize how the next point is going to start. Now, as we're going to get to in step three, what we want to do is have a detailed visualization of how the next point begins. So the brain doesn't know the difference between what is real and what is vividly imagined. In fact, you're firing and wiring the exact same circuits in the same way as if your body was actually performing that act. They did a study, they took three sets of uh, basketball players uh, and they were doing free throws. One group went out and practiced free throws in the gym for like an hour every day. One group did nothing. And then one group just imagined shooting free throws um, but really got into it, was really in the moment when they were doing this practice. And what they found was the group that did nothing obviously had no improvement at all. But what was really interesting were the two groups that practiced, one physically and one mentally, had nearly identical improvements in their ability to shoot free throws. And this uh, experiment has been replicated with piano players and a bunch of other people. So 
no difference between what's real and what's vividly imagined. So what we want to do between points, steady our eyes on the strings, calm the brain down, one dynamic breath so that we get oxygen into the blood, oxygen into the muscles, oxygen into the brain, relax our body. And finally, we're going to visualize how the next point is going to start. And I'm going to share with you a little bit about that uh, in step three. And oh, in the last step in the 25 second process. So this entire process takes about 25 seconds. The last step now and the most crucial is to trust yourself and go out and execute. It's why we call our program the trust program um, again, which was modeled after the elite military. And there you have it. So go out and train your 25 second process, just like you do your forehands, backhands and serves and your ability to execute under pressure will improve. Incidentally, if this is interesting to you, go and take our free diagnostic tool. It'll show you the four critical match winning categories. It'll show you what your score is in each of them. And it'll show you how you can become like Novak Djokovic and Serena Williams at your level to be the person that consistently pulls out those tight matches with the strokes that you already have. So we don't get into technique, but go take that quiz. I'll put a link down below. Introducing Coco Golf's signature shoe, more than just a tennis shoe. It's a fusion of 90s-inspired style and cutting-edge performance technology with its sleek mid-cut silhouette. It's designed to enhance speed and power on the court. The multi-piece upper construction delivers high-energy return for players of all levels. Whether you're a seasoned pro or just starting out, the Coco CG1 empowers you to dominate the game. Learn more and purchase the Coco CG1 at NewBalance.com. And that gets us into clutch gene sequencing part three, which is all about when the ball is in play. In step one, we redefined our relationship with pressure. In step two, we talked about how to win the 80% of the match in between points, in between games, in between sets with our 25 second process. And in step three, we're going to get into when the point starts. And this all starts, obviously, after we've done our 25 second process. And the point of that is to get you into flow, is to get you into the zone where you're in relaxed concentration, assassin-like, and you just go out and execute on autopilot. So now what we've got to do is we've got to be able to stay in flow during the point and not start thinking, where should I hit the ball now? Uh, my opponent just hit this shot. What should I do next? So we're going to shift from being reactive spontaneous and talented, as Mark likes to call it, to being proactive, to being automatic, and to being able to redefine talent as the ability to predictably execute proven tactics under pressure. That's our definition of talent, and that's what we want you to have. So if we want to execute on autopilot, there's one really critical factor, and that's called myelin. So myelin is this little sheath that wraps around the neurons in the brain, and it allows for uh, impulses from the brain and the central nervous system to happen really, really quickly and really automatically. Okay, it's going to allow you to execute when it's 30, 40 second serve because you've trained this. And how do we know that's going to happen? Repetition. Absolutely. Okay, so this is not the secret where you sit and meditate about it, although that helps. You got to go out and actually train it. But it's not just repetition, it's exact repetition. Okay, so what we do is we do everything by evidence and by data. So 
of all the things that you can do on the tennis court. You can hit loads of cross-court forehands, down the line backhands. You can hit serves until, you know, the cows come home. But really what matters is what is going to win you the most number of points. Okay, what's going to swing a tight match into your favor? And if we look at the stats, okay, this is from Craig O'Shaughnessy, who said 70% of the points in singles last between zero and four shots, 20% last between five and eight shots, and only 10% of points, believe it or not, last more than nine shots. And that tricks us because we see all the amazing rallies on SportsCenter and those stick in our brain. But if we look at it objectively, what most people are doing is they're training to win the 10% of points by grooving forehands and backhands and getting a lot of repetition. Okay, but we know that the meat is in that 70%, so zero to four shots, which means you are only hitting two shots on the majority of your points. So what we want to do is we want to spend a disproportionate amount of training time on the first two shots of a point which in singles obviously means the serve and your second shot. And as a returner, the return and the second shot. Okay, in singles, we have five tactics that we train. In doubles, we only have three tactics that we train. But we want to be training the serve plus one and the return plus one to specific areas of the court. And we want to be doing it with pressure. Okay, going back to our first point, if you train and there's no pressure, the likely the, the first time you're going to experience pressure is when you need it, when you need it the most, when you're in a USTA league match or you're playing ITFs or you're in a high school uh, finals. So we want to make sure that you're training under pressure consistently. And we have nine levels of pressure that we use in our training. Like I said, take that diagnostic tool uh, and I'll put the link down below uh, so that you can figure out what those are. So we train with exact repetition, the exact movements. We strip away all of the unnecessary stuff. So what I've found is watching these amazing presenters and their ability to really articulate how to hit a more technically efficient forehand, serve, backhand, and you name it, is amazing. And these guys are some of my great friends. I, I focused more on technique because that's what people want. But what I've come to realize uh, over the years is you have to give tennis players what they want, but you also have to get them what they need. What Mark and Ramon have done have created a very concise, simple program that can help any player. And it's really important to know that if you're going to go up levels, if you're going to go from 3.5 to 4.5, you're going to have to make some technical adjustments to your game to improve more than likely. But to win at your level now, you don't need to do it. In fact, we've had players that have snapped seven match losing streaks in two days of online training just by employing these principles. So we're training specifically in two shot combinations, okay? Shots one and three if you're a server, two and four if you're a returner, and then we can get into five and seven for the extended points and six and eight for the extended points as the returner. We're gonna do everything with targets. And the reason we use targets is it's one layer of pressure, but it also shifts you from being results oriented and being focused on the outcome to being process oriented. And when you're process oriented, what's amazing is you become detached from the outcome. The emotions of the moment go down and you can stick to your process. 
Reminds me of a great quote with Novak Djokovic, who just went from being number one on top of the world to getting injured, being out of, you know, basically contention and then rising like a phoenix back to the level of dominance. And when he's talking to Sue Barker after he had just won Wimbledon, Sue Barker says, Novak, how'd you do it? And he says, well, Sue, at the end, you just have to trust yourself and trust your process. So really interesting. So we want to have a process first, and then we want to be able to trust it. And so we can do that, obviously, by exact repetition, by always putting pressure, one of our nine layers of pressure on your training, and then seeing yourself continuously execute in those moments under greater and greater levels of difficulty. And what we're doing is we're rewiring your brain, not only to execute the proven tactics, but to change the story that you have about your ability to execute under pressure. So that when you step up to that line and it's 30, 40 second serve, you know that you're a trained assassin and the person on the other net, other side of the net is probably training the way everybody else trains, obsessing over technique, hitting loads of balls from the baseline, working up a sweat, trying to get a little bit fitter, only to lose those most important matches in those tight moments. So you don't want to do that. <laughs> you want to be the trained assassin. And then just one more thing with the drills. We like to gamify everything. We score everything. So everything is accountable. So in a training session with us, like, you know, I got a student here in LA that comes out. We literally score everything. So every single shot is accountable, even in the warmup. And the time flies by in the blink of an eye. He's got an amazing sweat because we do all kinds of um, interesting things in between points to get him out of breath um, so that he has to practice his 25 second process when he's tired. Um, but we gamify every, everything so that there's a score involved and so that you can train with somebody else, not just by hitting a bunch of balls and playing practice sets, but by training the patterns that are proven. The data shows that they're proven. I have played four times in the last two weeks. The first Two, I played pushers, beat them easily, which has never been the case in the past. These tactics, people who've been playing 30 years have been likely for the past 20 years been playing exactly the same way and, and not gotten any better. And I'm already athletic. Now I'm learning these tactics. I'm good to go. And so the last thing, obviously, in step three is being able to execute is all about being able to strike the ball efficiently. Um, and we have a process for this, uh, which I won't go into detail here now because we don't have that much time, but basically look at the back of the ball um, and know in advance where you're hitting the ball and train that and you'll be a star by Tuesday. I can execute, which is again, if you're confident enough that I can execute, then I will win the point. Now, I want to thank Mayor Bon. Thanks so much for hosting this amazing event and putting everybody together um, and really giving players like me and you the opportunity to learn from amazing coaches. I always had this story that I would never be able to play singles because I started tennis late. I was overweight, 16-year-old kid, had all kinds of limiting beliefs and just thought, well, if I'm lucky, I'll play doubles pretty well. Um, you know, but singles was out of the question because everybody was fitter. Everybody had better technique um, and all kinds of other uh, BS that frankly wasn't true. So when Mark came to me and he said he had this program that gets players quick winning results with the results or with the strokes they already have, part of me was skeptical, but part of me was intrigued. 
So I took him on. He wanted to hire me as a consultant to help him get this message out there. Um, so I took on the program. I've got a court here in my uh, yard in LA and I did the training, the singles training for 30 days. And I entered a world team tennis league as a singles player for the first time in my life, scared out of my mind to say that I was going to do that. But I went through the training. Literally my nine-year-old daughter at the time was dropping me balls. I was doing the patterns, went undefeated in singles that year. Um, not because I was better than people, had loads of close matches, loads of points or games that went deuce add in, deuce add out. But in the big moments, I was able to center myself with that 25 second process that you just learned. And by doing the repetition, by doing the training regularly, I was able to go undefeated. And now things are opening up like crazy. So want to thank you so much for watching this training. Thanks again to Marabon. Again, if you're a competitive tennis player and you want to win more matches with the strokes you already have, and you've tried, you know, working on your serve forever, you've tried, you know, the lag and snap forehands, you're watching tons of videos, and you're not getting the results that you know you're capable of, I invite you to click the link, or there's probably not a link, <laughs> go, go to the link I'll put down below take the diagnostic tool. It's going to give you a score in the four critical match winning categories. And then we're going to follow up with you, give you loads of cool free content, as well as some offers to work with us personally, uh, that we can help you shift um, from where you are now to where you know you're capable of being. So thanks so much for watching this training and I'll see you in the next one. All right. I really hope you enjoyed this episode with Coach Ramon Osa. And thank you, Ramon, for your time again. And if you did enjoy this episode and thought that you found value from it to improve your game, then I would really appreciate it if you would leave a review for the Tennis Files podcast. And you can do that at Apple Podcasts or in your favorite podcast app of choice that you use to listen to the show. For Apple Podcasts, you can just go to tennisfiles.com slash Apple Podcasts with an S at the end. And I would really appreciate your review and feedback of the show. And I would also like to leave you with a quote as I often do at the end of the show. And this one is by Walt Disney. Um, pretty fitting as I just returned from <laughs> Orlando uh, recently. And Walt said, all your dreams can come true if you have the courage to pursue them. Very, very pertinent. Um, similarly, uh, if you have the courage to make that technical change or that mental game change, or that strategy change in the crunch moments, then you will usually prevail eventually and uh, realize a lot of your hopes and dreams and goals in tennis and, of course, in other areas of your life, as Walt said. So, really love that quote. Uh, but that is all for today's episode. Thanks so much for listening. And as always, we'll see you on the next episode of the Tennis Files Podcast. This is Marabon Aranchad, your host, signing out. Thanks for listening to the Tennis Files podcast. For more tips to help you improve your tennis game, visit TennisFiles.com.